0: This is an independently produced, women-owned show. All of our content, editing, distribution, and promotion is done by the three people you hear on the podcast each week. And all of it is paid for out of our own pockets because it's important to us. But now you can help us keep the lights on by making a small contribution to support our efforts. For the price of one or two cups of coffee a month, you can help us produce over 40 episodes a year, plus year-round content in our weekly newsletter and our social media community. And remember how your mom got a free VHS tape of Peter, Paul, and Mary when she became a supporter of PBS? You too will get special thank you gifts when you support the PCPS, from blooper reels and after the episode discussions to raw uncut video footage of our recording sessions. We appreciate your support and we want to show it by sending these perks your way. You can become a supporter by going to PopPreservationists.com and clicking on the Patreon link. Or go to our link and bio on Instagram and find the Patreon link in our link tree. And thank you from the bottom of our bell-bottomed hearts. I just have to get this out of my system. Sad and grumpy, down in Dumbies. the dumpy. Yes. I say that all the time when Liam is looking van I'm like, oh, sad and grumpy, down in the <laughs> dumpy. And then how many people don't say when I asked Mike about Free to Be You and Me, the first thing he says is, it might make you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> and we say it all the time It might make you feel better
1: Hello world is a song that we're singing Come on get happy A whole lot of love is what we'll be bringing We'll make you happy
2: Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who stuck their chewed-up juicy fruit in the car door's ashtray. We believe
1: our Gen X childhoods
2: gave us unforgettable songs, stories,
1: characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition.
0: And today, we'll be saving the banjo riff that signaled a revolution was coming, For children, in the form of an album called Free to Be, You and Me. I'm Carolyn. I'm
2: Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists.
0: So, did you guys really put your Juicy Fruit in the car door's ashtray? Absolutely. Yes. Fruit Stripe, Big Red.
1: I don't know, but I think I was usually wrapped it up in the foil wrapper of the juicy fruit. Oh
0: you're good. Yeah.
1: Um so I didn't necessarily I think sometimes it was just the gum, but sometimes I was good and roll and put it in the wrapper.
0: Did you
2: guys have this grosses my family out to no end? And I know listeners are had this too. Um and I know please if you did let me know so I can feel validated. Did you have what's called a gum parker? So mine looks like a little ceramic cat who's laying on his back, and I'm gonna take a picture and post it on social media. Oh no! I bought it at our school's like book fair, and it looks like a little cat laying on his back, and it says Gum Parker in it. And what you would do is you could take your chewed gum out and stick it in his little tummy, and then you could save it so the next day you could. Why? It was my own gum. Oh my why god! Why would you
0: read? Wasn't it hard yeah. and
2: gross? Oh, it's hard, hard as a rock. Hard it. as a rock, no flavor. And sometimes I would even have like four or five pieces of. Gum. It was like my own little gum wall. It grosses my family out. I'm like, you guys. I'm not like putting other people's gum in it my mouth. It, was my own gum. it doesn't matter. It doesn't, matter. That is just.
1: L- I used to think those people why were is it a- gross. Those people were a little odd. I'm sorry. That's what I always <laughs> thought. And then I did. I was like, why would you do it? It doesn't. All of those things.
0: You know, odd happen. people and you became flavor. creative people. Well, I have a quiz. I have a quiz for you. Okay. You guys, who stuck their chewed up gum behind their ear? Uh,
2: no, I didn't do that. I had a gum parker. Oh, Why would actually, I need to do that?
0: That's true. <laughs> um, I have two quizzes. Well, now I was going to say it's Violet Beauregard. Wait, did you? No, oh. I wonder if it was Mike TV. Was it Violet no, Beauregard? No, I think it was Violet. Was, mm. Oh, no, yeah, I I because was yeah, she was yeah, always chewing gum. the gum. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah. So Um, yeah, that would that actually would be a really good um, reason I would use my gum parker. Maybe it was time for dinner, so I just I had to put my gum out so I could eat my dinner and then I could chew my gum. Why don't you just get a fresh piece? All the flavor is gone. It was just. Can you imagine how hard how my jaws must have hurt?
0: Yes. Oh, it must have been
2: awful. But how is it any different than if it's in your mouth already than putting it back? How is that any different? Well, I think it's a little petri dish.
1: Once you've chewed it uh-huh. and, and added your saliva to the mix, and then it's out in the
2: air, and there's oh, then out in the air, germs? maybe
0: collecting all the environmental toxins. You know what though?
2: I don't get sick at all, like ever. I don't. Ne- I never. My whole life, I rarely get sick. So hey, let's just say that maybe it's, it's like all thanks to my ABC gum.
0: Already been mm-hmm. chewed gum. Okay, I have another quiz. <laughs> okay, and I don't know the answer to this one. That's why I'm asking you. Who? put their chewed up i think this comes from a book what character in what book put their chewed up gum on the bedpost well i've been sitting here the whole time thinking
1: who was that so i can't believe you just asked that oh my
0: god that's so funny i was thinking but
1: i don't know well don't tell me now because it's obviously one we both people are is it sheila is it
0: sheila oh put it from otherwise known as sheila the great oh do
1: you not know the answer Kristen?
0: No, 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 I, I thought you answer. were quizzing us because you didn't answer. <laughs> I was quizzing you. I was hoping you would know. Okay, but listeners, somebody their there are notes. Listeners, so listeners you gotta, tell, yeah. us, you tell us,
1: please. And also,
2: please, if you had a gum parker, just let me know. Yeah. You.
0: Yeah. Oh. I can't even believe that was a pan I'm standing
2: by it. You guys can say ooh all you want. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna apologize for my gum parker. We're gonna- <laughs> this is it.
0: No more. <laughs> we're gonna talk about free to be you and me now. All righty. You This is a very teary episode for me. I just, it's one of those lump in your throat. It's, is it the warm ride? I don't know. It's not nipple lightning. Mm -mm. It's more, it's more than that. If a banjo riff could make me cry, it would be this. Oh my God, I'm going to cry right now. These are the opening notes to a Gen X tour de force. 1972's Free to Be You and Me. It was in every household and every classroom across the nation, and it told us to be who we are no matter what other people say, including our classmates and our teachers and even our parents. There was the record released in 1972, followed quickly by the book and the primetime TV special that would be rewatched in schools in all 50 states in perpetuity.
1: The TV special. You guys, that is what I remember. I think Mm -hmm. maybe because I'm a visual learner as well. But so I rewatched it a, a few nights ago in preparation for this episode. And just like a lot of things that we have revisited, I did have that initial feeling of kind of being washed with nostalgia and the warmth and all of that and I just was back at my in my living room watching TV and then this part came on that had Dustin Hoffman in reading and you guys it was like I was sucked back into this vortex like time machine you know those scenes in TV where you're like they're showing somebody <laughs> going back in time and it's kind of spinning like a funnel and the person like is falling
0: <laughs> down a giant yes
1: hole. that is what happened to me
0: I love that. Oh, my God. And I had some feelings about that part, too. So I'm there Mm -hmm. with you, Carolyn. There's no doubt at all that this record and the TV special was well-loved. Every word of it, every note. Um, I actually, I could not. I have a little story for you to just back that up. I was surprised to go to my record collection when I was prepping for this episode and find that I didn't have Free to Be You and Me. So apparently I don't have my copy anymore. And luckily... I found a copy at my local record store, which is really unusual because I never see it in record stores. And so I said this to the guy. I was like, I can't believe you have it exactly when I need it. You can never find this. And he said, actually, I get free to be, I get free to be you and me all the time, but it's always so scratched up, so worn. (sighs) The cover is so torn. He said, that album is so well loved. I can never put them on the floor. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. My
2: copy came from a vintage store and I mean I think I audibly gasped when I saw it when yeah. I was flipping through the albums and it was like three dollars and it is you know the usually the three sides of an album cover are intact and you can slide yeah. the album out. It's hanging on by like a corner. <laughs> it's been loved. I mean I would love it's to been know the stories. it hard. Mm-hmm.
0: We have a comment from Gail on, um, on Instagram. She always sums things up so nicely and mm-hmm. she Tends to sum up what all of our followers are saying. This is what people were saying on Instagram. Um, she said, If we were well behaved during music class, our teacher would reward us by playing this record on the special hi fi stereo. The second the banjo intro filled the room, we were mesmerized. We didn't understand all of the words, but we felt them. Mm. I think that's just so astute. Mm. We were happy and goofy as we sang, danced, and laughed. We were free. Nearly 50 years later, I get the same feeling when I hear that banjo intro. That's so true. And a lot of people feel the same way.
2: Mm -hmm. They do. Absolutely. And it's amazing to think of how this whole phenomenon that has just lasted for decades came to be, because it's really just a beautifully simple story. Um, Marlo Thomas says it like this. Honestly... I was just trying to do something for a little girl. Um, because in 1971, Marlo's niece, Dion was in nursery school. And Aunt Marlo loved reading her bedtime stories. But she quickly realized how outdated all of Dion's storybooks were. They were still the same old stories of princes rescuing princesses, or just the formulated happy ending. And she says there was nothing available that would allow Dion to dream her own dreams. Um, and so when she complained to her sister about it, Dion's mom, uh, her sister told Marlo that that was all she could find, and then she said the words to Marlo Thomas that would change history. Why don't you try? And you guys, <laughs> as we know, Marlo Thomas created something. She decided she wanted to try to do it by Dion's next birthday, um, and you guys, what what a birthday present she created! Not just for Dion, yeah. but a gift for all of us. Um, And not just our generation, but all the generations that have followed. That came after.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, She recalls that when she went to look for some different books for Dion, she literally found a book. I can't even stand this. She literally found a book called, I'm glad I'm a boy. I'm glad I'm a girl. And on one side of the page, it would say, Boys are doctors. And on the other side, it would say, Girls are nurses. And then you'd turn the page, it would say, Boys are pilots. Oh and the other side said, Girls are stewardesses. Oh, that got published. Mm-hmm. You guys. Somebody wrote that and published it. That is crazy. And can we just right now
1: say, Marlo Thomas is effing wonderful. I mean, I that know. woman, yeah. so ahead of her time. When you, realize, when you go back to that girl and who mm-hmm. she portrayed in that show and really stuck to her guns with how she wanted that character played. And she, the network wanted her to get married at the end. And that's like that. To Donald Hollinger. Right. Yeah. And that was supposed mm-hmm. to be what God, would give show. a happy ending to all females. And she was like, no, I am not going to do that. And stuck to her guns. And the final episode had her bringing him to a, um, a woman's lib meeting.
0: Oh my god! And I'm watching that show when I'm like three and four years yes. old. Yes, I'm getting these lessons when I'm three and four years old. Yeah, she was at Atlanta.
2: She basically. Was. literally,
0: yeah, <laughs> she literally
2: was because she, was she like, you said, know what? "You go do your own thing. I'm going to yeah. come to this meeting with me. We'll decide if we want to get married later. Right?
0: Maybe and we won't. Didn't you Maybe we will Love won't. that. I mean, when you uh-huh. were watching that girl, were you at all disappointed that she wasn't married? I wasn't. No, I wanted I, to be her.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I don't. I I would have been watching that way too young, and probably at reruns. That uh, that wasn't anything that was that was sticking with. But maybe it did.
0: I don't know. Well, that's the thing. If you're that little, you don't exactly know what you're absorbing, Michelle. I know. And so, really, it's about looking at who you are today and seeing if that message stuck. I got
2: married when I was 24, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So maybe not. But anyway, did you take Brian to a women's lib meeting? That would be the true test. So then when Terry, her sister, says, why don't you do it? Then they are off to the races Uh because Marlo Thomas had a talent for gathering important and recognizable people together, including, this is not even a complete list, you guys, Alan Alda, Diana Ross, Shirley Jones, Carol Channing, Carl Reiner, Mel Brooks, Shel Silverstein, Dustin Hoffman, Chris Christofferson, Rita Coolidge, Roberta Flack, Michael Jackson, and so many more. And they're also...
1: Kristen a few names that our listeners may not know but they should and that includes Mm -hmm. Bruce and Carol Hart. So if you happened to listen to our podcast about the TV movie sooner or later starring Rex Smith you might remember that Bruce and Carol Hart wrote and directed it but before they dabbled in teen romance they were a fixture in educational television. They won an Emmy for their work on Sesame Street and you guys, if it wasn't for them, Free to Be You and Me would not have existed as we know it. Carol Hart actually produced the project. Her husband Bruce Hart, along with Stephen Lawrence, wrote the theme song Free to Be You and Me along with sisters and brothers, and they produced the music for the album. It was they are they're an amazing couple. They go on to yeah, do They are
0: they're a
2: power yes. couple. Yes. And it's so mm-hmm. weird how they go on to do sooner or later. To oh,
0: me. <laughs> isn't that weird? <laughs> it's a big disconnect, and yet we were all there we for were. it. The oh. same people. We were all there for it.
2: Well, and in our episode, we talk about that—that that they actually mm-hmm. had their finger on the pulse of this growing generation. Like, and then these kids grow up, and then now, what do they want to hear about, or what do they want to, you know?
0: That's ex- we want to look at. right. Ex- it's exactly right. I also want to add um, to this list: Mary Rogers. I know Mary Rogers is the author of one of my favorite books, which is Freaky Friday. And then oh. recently, I know, Freaky oh, I Friday. Love Freaky right? Friday. I love that book so much. I freaking love and it. Right. <laughs> <Sorry. I, laughs> and then recently, you may remember that Steven Sondheim died, RIP. And so, like so many people, I watched the HBO special on. Stephen Sondheim. And then they keep talking about Mary Rogers as being one of his colleagues, and they're referring to her as a composer. And I'm like, wait a minute. The author of Freaky Friday is a composer? What is it? Well, of course she's a composer. Because you guys, I can't even believe I didn't know this. Mary Rogers' dad no. is Richard no. Rogers <gasps> of Rogers and Hammerstein. Wow. Sounds of you music, say Oklahoma Rogers. carousel. No, that would be amazing. No, Rodgers and Hammerstein. Oh, my goodness. So she is, yes, a children's author and a composer. And she did writing and music for Free to Be You and Me.
1: Wow. That makes me so happy.
0: I'm Mm sorry that Richard Rodgers, you know, his legacy
1: kind of carried on in his
0: daughter. And obviously, she left an impression on us. Wow. Yeah. And truthfully, how many female composers do you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you name, like, even think of Broadway composers. Can you name any female Broadway composers? And there are, there are, they're out there, listeners. We know you're like, how about this person and this person and this person? Mm-hmm. The point is, We're at We're trying that to get time, a point across, listeners. Right. At that <laughs> point in time, could you say anyone except, like, Rodgers and Hammerstein or Rodgers mm-hmm. and Hart or Cole Porter or any of those people? Or even now, we have Andrew Lloyd Webber, right? We've got all of these men. Stephen Sondheim. Stephen Sondheim gets a special. Mary Rogers doesn't have a special. Mm-hmm. So she was breaking ground, and this was an appropriate place yes. for her to be doing work on "Free to Be You and Me." I think one thing that
2: I'm just floored by is that this is Marlo Thomas's circle of friends. Like these people she happens to have, like in her little Rolodex that she just can just call out. on up when she's like, oh, yeah. "I think I need to make an album, and I, I want to come up with some things for my niece and for all the the children out over. there." I'm just going to call up a few friends, you have the like, and then it's all yeah. those people. And because let's not also forget another one of her friends is Gloria Steinem. Mm-hmm.
0: So Gloria Steinem was one of the founders
2: myself. of Ms. <laughs> Magazine. And what Marlowe wanted to do aligned perfectly with their feature in Ms. Magazine that Letty Cotton, is it Pogrebin? I think it's Pogrebin I Pogribin, hope so. Um, yeah, that's a Had guess, created... I mean. And that, uh, the feature that uh, she had created was called Stories for Free Children. And in these stories, they addressed the corrosive role of sexual stereotypes in parenting and education because, in their view, children needed to be happy, healthy, and well-cared for in order for women to make headway in this world. Like, if they can be free to be, then so can their moms. Um, like, even today, when a child is sick, it's probably a woman who is taken out of the workforce, even if it's only for a day. But over the length of a childhood, that can mean lower pay, lower advancement, and a lot less free to be, right? Mm-hmm. And Letty and Marlo, through this project and through this introduction from Gloria Steinem, became soulmates. That's truly what Marlo says mm-hmm. they were. They were wow. soulmates through their wow. work on this album and their shared mission. Yeah.
0: And then Dion gets her birthday present. Yeah. So Happy birthday. She, yeah. I know. Seriously. She got a birthday present essentially from Gloria Steinem. So Marlo Thomas gathered all these people and she posed a simple question to them all. They're all gathered in her living room and she says to them, what lessons or stories do you feel were missing from your childhood? And I think this is why the record doesn't feel preachy, right? They were not trying to teach us what they thought we needed to know. They were actually trying to go back and nurture themselves and see the things that they were missing. So they're looking at their child selves. And I think that's kind of what we're doing here. We acknowledge that we have children living inside of us. They're still there. They still exist with us today, even though we've grown up. So Alan Aldis says he was the artsy kid in school, and that made him a target. And, you know, all the the boys are outside playing football, and he's inside writing musical comedy. And so that made him, you know, he got Uh beat up a few times after school. And so he says that working on Free to Be You and Me allowed him to address really the inequalities that he felt as a kid. He saw that as an equality issue. He was not equal to the football players. We
2: all yeah. are still grappling with issues mm-hmm. like that that we dealt mm-hmm. with. And But, you know, Alan Alda is saying, gosh, I didn't have anything like this, like this right. album or these stories to help me.
0: And I think that- We hear you, Alan. What, yeah, we hear you, Alan. But that spirit of it made it something that we listened to mm-hmm. and it imprinted on us. In a way that is different if they had tried to, quote-unquote, teach us something. Exactly. That would have been entirely different. And I bet
1: when our parents listened to it along with us, they probably were thinking, I wish I'd had this message when I was a child, too. I'm glad my own child is is having to get to hear that.
0: So after a long time of looking and pitching to record companies, they finally secured a record deal with a small label called Bell Records after it was turned down by all of the big companies who just they couldn't get past the liberal vibe, the feminist hippie vibe. And in fact, one well-known record executive that they do not name, but I assume that we would know this name should they reveal it, said, and I quote, What would I want with a record produced by a bunch of dykes? <gasps> Mm -hmm. Well, what I'm like, well, sell it and get, you know, sell it to many, 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 many people. (laughs) And not to mention the fact that, you know, this is a word that is hurled at women because they're not married. Um, Somebody who's not married is automatically a dyke. And most of the women who were working on this project were married to men and had children. And that was the reason that they were working on it. Now, Marlo Thomas famously was not married. And so in their eyes, that makes her a dyke. And you guys, I have been called a dyke more than once in my lifetime, and it's always by men. And it's usually when they when I've done something that appears to them to be out of bounds.
2: I don't understand why. Well, this is just something I'll never understand why people think that's a insult. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, isn't that interesting? Why is that the put down? It's so funny to me that some people think that that is something that's going to bother you. I don't know. I know. Right? I guess you know. it does bother
0: some people and then I don't know. Yeah, they think that's, that tells you about who they are because they think it would oh, bother you. Right. Because right. it means you are not feminine, as if that is the worst insult. And by you telling me that I'm not feminine, you're just stating a fact about myself yeah. that I already yeah. know. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Next. hmm No. So it was an instant hit, both critically and commercially, which was a huge surprise to all the big record companies that turned them down. Even at Bell Records, the the company that did take them on, they said, well, you know, records like this, they tend to sell about 15,000. And so that, I think, was their original pressing of it. Well, it went gold immediately. Gold being 500,000 records. Wow. It went platinum within two years, which is 1 million records. It eventually went Diamond, which is 10 million records, and still to this day, it is in the top 100 best-selling albums of all time.
1: Wow. That is amazing. It just shows you
0: how much,
2: and it shows you how much it was needed. Yeah. Absolutely. And now.
1: Um, But -hmm. before we get to the album, you guys, I would just like to give you a little information about the TV special. Many of us saw that either in school or at home when it first aired on March 11th, 1974. And again, I recently went back and watched uh, the video, uh, Free to Be You and Me, and it was the complete, from beginning to end, including commercials. And I just want to say a tad about the commercials because they really struck me and stuck with me. Um, The two that, well, three, I guess, but two of them were for Crest Toothpaste. And what I thought was interesting is there's not a female in the um, as the parenting oh God, figure. Right. It right. is both it's times it's a dad. That's
0: it's like bedtime right. stories and time to brush right. teeth and um, mm-hmm.
1: encouraging their children to brush their teeth and why it's important. And also, I realized one of the messages they were sending in this commercial was we didn't have fluoride back then. I'm so glad I can give you this product now that provides you with something. I didn't have, hmm, what else might I I not have had when I was younger Mm. that I can now provide you? Could it be Mm -hmm. this TV special? And so I thought that was really interesting. And then there was another one, and I'm gonna now forget what it was for, But there's a mom and she's a school she's a kindergarten teacher, and so she's working outside the home and it's how she's balancing that, but she's all like, they're showing her how she's at work and doing her thing and then she comes home and she and the dad... I can't remember it was. It's for Tang, I think. Oh, yeah, it was for Tang. Was, oh, Tang. And they're all eating yes. breakfast. That's mm-hmm. right. Thank you. Um, the, mm-hmm. the next morning, and she's vitamin saying why that's important. Tang. But I like the fact that they showed her working outside of the home. Yeah. And that this mm-hmm. quick breakfast was good for their family because they could. She
2: can provide a delicious, healthy, nutritious <laughs> no. drink like Tang. Yeah. With
0: natural you know flavoring. A day's worth of vitamin flavoring. C. Yeah,
1: what we you? never had Tang growing up.
0: Mm-mm. Oh, I was not yeah, I wasn't either. I, was I don't know why. I was never going to make it to space. I do think it's interesting, though, <laughs> Carolyn, this is all baby steps, mm-hmm. right? It's all baby steps. So those commercials are quite revolutionary, but notice they made her a kindergarten teacher because the- that's an acceptable mm-hmm. profession for women. Right,
1: and they do talk about that a little bit in the production of uh, the TV show, especially some things that they could have maybe done a little bit more progressively, and they'd even discussed it mm-hmm. um, among the producers and the writers, but it was a little bit too much for the time. Like, they didn't want to yep. turn anyone off. So let's do these baby steps. Um, mm-hmm. Even though they knew in the moment, like, yes, maybe she could have been a high school teacher. Or she could have d- been a number of things. She didn't have to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. But we're going to just kind of baby step into that waiting pool part of the pool until we go into let's the deep soft end. sell it. Right. Yes. Especially mm-hmm. to our friends at the network. Because... Um, it didn't go over very well with the networks when Marlowe went to um, promote this. ABC was who she was working with. And after they produced the special and showed it to ABC, they had an issue with a few of the parts of the show. One being William's doll. They did not like that. Mm-hmm. They didn't like the song. The executives asked her to cut that. They said, you're going to make every kid in America a sissy. And that's not the oh, word they used, she said. Oh,
2: yes. oh, oh, really? Oops. Another C word. Um, oh, my God. S-S-Y word. Oh, I
0: thought it was an F word.
1: Um, it might, she didn't say what the oh. word was, but she just let us know that sissy was, was not. S-S-S-Y I'm guessing S-S-S-Y it might word. be the F word. Um, I thought it was ours. Oh, really? uh, But I'm only,
0: yeah, I'm only assuming right. that. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, that's just us guessing. And then they all... Wow. They also requested that she take out the um, footage where she and Harry Belafonte are singing um, Parents Are People. And there's a scene within that that they're both pushing baby buggies. And mm-hmm. the network yeah. thought that that made it look like Marlo Thomas and Harry Belafonte were married. And Marla was like, well so who cares? So? And they said, well, that's never going to fly in the South to have a white woman married to a black man. And oh my she, God. at that point, she was just like, well, first of all, it doesn't look like we're married. We're each pushing these buggies. And second of all, mm-hmm. who cares? And um, But Harry actually wasn't surprised. I mean, he, yeah, he just thought, Marla, this is kind of how it is. But she was not going to stand for it. And she said, you know what? ABC, if you're not going to let me leave this stuff in, I'm taking my toys, I'm leaving the playground, and I'm going to CBS. And <laughs> that was enough for them to say, all right, it was worth it in the end, because it was watched by 1.2 million households, and it beat out Gunsmoke on CBS. And in May, it won an Emmy, and it was awarded to Carol Hart and Marlo Thomas by Mr. and Mrs. Oh.
0: Mark Spitz. Wow, that is cool. OK, so the record, I just want to talk about um, I just want to talk about the album cover for a minute. I have it right here. I'm doing some show and tell. Mm-hmm. You guys have your own copy. Mm-hmm. My copy belonged to Jill Schmidt. She wrote her name in beautiful cursive on the front. Um, and I want to show you some things that maybe you didn't notice when you were kids. We all remember the puffy letters and the funny people that are poking out of the letters. But I want to point out something important at the bottom of the album cover. You can see the logo for Ms. Magazine. It's the capital M, the lowercase s, and the period after it. And I recognized this logo as a kid. I didn't know what it was exactly. I knew it had something to do with my mom. I knew it had something to do with the women. But I wasn't sure. And above that... It says, in tiny little letters, portions of the proceeds from this album will go to the Ms. Foundation for Women. This record is designed for use on stereo or mono oral equipment by children of all ages, shapes, sizes, colors, and sexes. You go. I love that. Isn't that That's, cool? We yeah. didn't even know that was there, but it was seeping into our brains anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So then when you flip the record over, there is a beautiful letter from Marlo Thomas saying happy birthday, Dionne, which just warms my heart. Oh, it's in her and there also it's in her handwriting. It's so cute. And then there are also messages from the editor at Ms. and from Gloria Steinem, and she explains that the money from this record will fund educational projects aimed at improving the skills, conditions, and status of women and children. And it really did. Um, Much more than they expected because they thought they were only going to sell 15,000 copies, Um, especially in the areas of domestic violence, health care, and job job advancement for women. Uh, These are not things that we knew when we were children. We had no idea that this is... Us listening to this ret- record was contributing to those things. She also says, "All together, this is a project born of love. Our only regret is that this record and the change it reflects weren't part of our own childhoods. But then, the children we once were are inside us still. It's almost like a love letter to themselves." Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's the album cover. We're going to talk about some of the tracks now, and people have a lot of things to say and a lot of feelings, and so we're just going to jump right in. The first the first song on the first side is, of course, the theme song, Free to Be You and Me, which is... Prov- um, performed by the New Seekers, and it's written by Stephen Lawrence and Bruce Hart that Carolyn spoke of before. The New Seekers were a new iteration of the Seekers. And if your parents were Folkies, you probably had some other records in your house. They had a hit with Georgie Girl. That was one of my mom's favorite songs. Oh,
2: yeah. I love that (laughs)
0: song, (laughs) Sorry. I know. I love that song, too. I hadn't thought of it in a million years. The New Seekers. So that's the Seekers. So the New Seekers are most famous for one song. They recorded an adaptation of the Coca-Cola jingle, I'd like to buy the world mm. a Coke. Like to buy the world. Oh, and they reworked like it the as I'd like to teach, teach the, world the world to sing. I'd like to teach the world to sing. The world. Which I thought it went the other way. I, I thought, I thought the, yeah. I'd like to buy the world a Coke came, came from, from the song I'd like to mm-hmm. teach the world to sing. But it's the opposite. Yeah, no, I had I never no idea. really Thought about
2: it, but yeah, I think if I, if that was a trivia question, I would agree with that. What you just said—that mm-hmm. it was the the other way. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, can't you just? I can envision I can envision that oh, commercial gosh, yes. oh, so clearly. With yeah, all of those. I, I wanted mm-hmm. to be all of those women with like the flowers in their mm-hmm. hair and oh, headbands yes. and stuff. Ugh,
2: that gives me a like lump in my Coke. throat. That you know what? And it it's also it's it's their voices, the the new oh, seekers, yeah. because it gives me a lump in my throat that that song in much the same way free to be you and me does
0: absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah that is that it's a really interesting coincidence so that theme song is inspired by this land is your land which you can hear i I know is that that song you guys
2: now there's a specific memory i wail (laughs) on that song and music because that one and you're a grand old flag (laughs) give them to me i'll solo it okay
0: those things don't go together for me but okay all right (laughs) I did, too. I love This Land is Your Land. And that is such a folky 70s hit, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And you can hear it in the lyric where they say, Take my hand, come along, and we'll run to a land where the rivers run free, to a land through the green country, to a land to a shining sea, to a land where the horses run free, to a land where the children are free. And Wait, then did they just write Free and Free? Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. No, okay. They did. And then they did Free to... There's a lot of Free. They have license because it's called Free to Be You and Me. So they can put it anywhere they want. I guess they can, sure. Mm-hmm. Carolyn's oh, raising, that's her raising her hand. Raising Yes, my, Carolyn? Carolyn's raising her well, I hand. have
1: a really interesting fact about the lyrics. So last June, in celebration of the 50th anniversary of Free to Be You and Me, Stars in the House did an episode devoted to Free to Be You and Me and Stars in the House is a program it's hosted by Seth Rudetsky and James Wesley and they invited Marlo to come on and talk a little bit about the show and then they debuted two new covers of two of the songs from the album one of those being Free to Be You and Me by Sarah Bareilles so when she was asked to do the cover she jumped at the chance mind you they had been asked several times over the years to do for other bands to, to cover the songs, and um, they never granted permission. So this was the first oh, oh, time in 50 years they granted permission, and they wanted to rewrite a little bit of Free to Be You and Me, this title song. Because the line where uh, it said, um, the original lyrics, every boy in this land grows to be his own man, In this land, every girl grows to be her own woman. Every boy
0: in this land grows
2: to be his own man. In this land, every
0: girl grows to be her own woman. Grows to be her own woman. That's my favorite line, you guys. He just belts it out. It's a great line,
1: and it was great Mm -hmm. in 1972, but as Marlo pointed out, things have changed, and if you're a boy, you might not you might not grow up to be a man. So she went to one of her writer friends who came up with a couple of different versions and this what I'm going to read to you right now is what they came up with. Every child in the land may you all understand that you're proud and you're strong and you are right where you belong. Take my hand come with me where the people are free. Come with me take my hand and we'll run.
2: Every child in the
1: that this song it's a living thing and this is a truth and as we Mm -hmm. learn more and grow more we can it's okay to change these words to this iconic song to reflect more of where we are today so
0: well and I think the important part of the of the original line is not um, every boy in this land grows to be his own man Or every girl, every girl in this land grows to be her own woman. I just love it when he belts it out. It's not, that's not the point. The point is his own man, her own woman, that you get to make your choices about where you go. Right,
1: And that's the message that we got. And that's exactly what we needed at the time. And I think now we can say you're going to be your own person.
0: You're going to be your own person. Right. That is exactly right. And okay. I still, to this day, the the song almost locks me down. I have such an emotional response to it. And especially after that part where they say, where they do the whole litany of to a land where the rivers mm-hmm. run free, to a land through the green country. And then they bring it to a close. And you think it's over. And it's silent. But then... <laughs> Bump, 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 bump. Oh, my God. And then it's time to dance, right? That's when you just, that's when you got to dance it out. Mm -hmm. Dance it out. Yes.
1: And I also want to say, there's just not enough flutes. There aren't enough flutes in music (laughs) these days. I love a good flute. Yeah, where are the flutes? And mm-hmm. these songs have some good flute music, and we're missing that in today's
0: music. I agree. You know what else we're missing in today's music? The Another reason I love this this last part of the song is when they go, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. I love bop in any yes. song. You give me a bop and I am all in. All righty. I need my bopas.
2: Okay, so ba then- we're still now, in case you've forgotten, we're talking about the tracks. Some tracks <laughs> on the album. So then we go into Boy Meets Girl. And this is probably, I'm embarrassed to say, but other than Free to Be You and Me, this might be one of the only ones that I have a clear memory of. And so this is the song. Um, it's not a song, actually, as much as it's just a little performance. It's written by Carl Reiner and Peter Stone. It was performed by Mel Brooks and Marlo Thomas and their puppet babies. Um, but... I have a very strong memory of the image of this, the visual of this. So I may, must have seen it in school or at home. Um, they're just puppet babies, but just it's just their heads, and they do look like old men, actually. Um, and it was inspired, actually, by um, the 2,000-year-old man sketches, Mel Brooks's. By 2,000. Carl by I thought that was Mel Brooks's 2007. Well, it is Carl Together. Reiner and Mel yeah. Brooks, yeah. Oh, so Carl wrote
0: Reiner it. wrote this, too. Got it.
2: I, I assume with Mel Brooks. Yeah. Um, and so the premise is simple. A baby boy and a baby girl are in the hospital nursery, and they're trying to find out what their gender roles are by discussing their appearances, their behaviors, and career ambitions. And it's just totally a blast on stereotypes. Like Mel Brooks's baby says uh cute feet small dainty yep yep I'm a girl that's it girl time <laughs> and then um Brooks tells Brooks's baby tells Thomas that she's a boy because she's bald and all boys are bald and then he asks her what she wants to be when she grows up what do you want to be when you grow up a fireman what did I tell you how about you a cocktail waitress does that prove anything to you cocktail waitress a cocktail waitress she's Yes. yes she's a boy and he's a girl then the nurse and then after that the nurse comes in to change their diapers and they get a look down there and basically they're blown away they're like well what do you know i'm a boy you're a girl um and I read something that said women, women in gender studies departments at every university should make this mandatory
0: viewing. <laughs> I think the the number, the most memorable line from that whole thing is something that is said in our house regularly. And Tracy on Facebook brought it up too, so it makes me think everybody says this. What Tracy on Facebook says is, whenever anyone says the word bald, I automatically <laughs> say bald, bald, bald. Bald is a <laughs> ping pong ball. <laughs> And it's the same thing in my house. Bold, bold, bold. You're
1: bold as a ping pong ball.
0: Okay, the next song on the on the album is When We Grow Up, performed by Diana Ross. And it was surprising to me on social media, this was the clear favorite. I did not expect that. It was the definite majority, and most of them mentioned Diana Ross, which, so that means they're referring to the record because on the TV show it was performed by Roberta Flack and Michael Jackson. Diana Ross apparently did this song in just two takes. And I think one reason it's, um, I think one reason it's, Uh, people's favorite is because you can hear the maternal feelings in her voice and honestly I can't I can't even sing it like I wanted to tell you my favorite lyric and so I have it typed out (laughs) I have it typed out here and I don't even know if I can read it to you so we're gonna have to play a clip and then I have typed written on my on my notes right now it says I'm crying right now just typing (laughs) these words (laughs) so I'm gonna try and read them well I don't care oh my god oh no I don't care if I'm, I can't, seriously, I can't do it. We're just going to have to put no, it. We have to keep I'll tell thing. you now. Okay. I don't care if I'm pretty at all, and I don't care if I never, wait, shit. i will to start over again. Well, I don't care if I'm pretty at all, and I don't care if you never get tall. I like what I look like. You don't have to change at all. Song. Oh, good. I hope Carolyn's crying, too. Well, um, <laughs> I'm just going to add make a
1: little Carolyn moment that might make you laugh, because I texted this to you guys the other day. Because my memory is mostly the TV show, I yeah. have been listening to the soundtrack in the album, and I just assumed that it was Michael Jackson and Diana Ross <laughs> singing on the album. So I texted to you guys, I cannot mm-hmm. tell the difference between Michael Jackson's <laughs> voice and Diana Ross's voice in this song. Well, now I know it's because Michael mm-hmm. Jackson doesn't <laughs> sing on the album.
2: He only sings on the show. He's only in, in the, the show. Yes, in oh, the that's show. so funny. So when you texted that, I didn't realize you didn't know that. I no. thought you were just like, you actually, that's hilarious. Yeah, I had just watched the, the TV special. Right?
0: Oh, I'm just putting that together now, yeah. too. I thought you were making a joke. Oh, no. Yeah, I did, too. You're listening to Diana Ross going, hey, I can't even tell no. the difference. Wait, you're thinking
2: it's a duet between I Diana Ross and Michael Jackson, and, and it's really just Diana Ross. I am Amelia Bedelia. Okay, hey, we're people. all up to speed. Yes. yes.
0: Well, well and
2: the Kristen sorry, and I a little Amelia Bedelia right now.
0: Yeah. Trying to figure um, that out. The, the sad irony that has been pointed out by quite a few people on social media is that Michael Jackson, who is adorable in this piece yeah. on the TV show, Eventually would bear absolutely no resemblance to the boy who's in the video. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't feel at all right. like he couldn't change at all. He mm-hmm. changed himself extremely. And he's unrecognizable. And when I look at that little boy, you guys, and he's not a little boy, he's a teenager. Oh my God, he's beautiful. Mm-hmm. He's I so beautiful. And it just, my heart is just broken. I like what
2: I look like And you're
0: nice, small We don't have to change Okay, next we have Parents Are People, which is performed by Harry Belafonte and Marlo Thomas. Mommies are people. And this is the one that carolyn talked about where they're pushing the buggy side by side in the park and it describes all of the things that parents can do it's written by carol hall and it's emphasizing kind of the role reversal that mommies don't just do baby and children things and daddies don't just go to the office and play baseball they can cross they can do all these different things um, and so she they say things like some mommies are ranchers or poetry makers or doctors or teachers or cleaners or bakers and it was informed by carol hall's own children when she was writing this song. Her ten-year-old boy is looking over her shoulder, and he sees what she's writing, and he says, "That's wrong, Mom. That's wrong. mommies can't be doctors; they're the nurses." Oh. And she's like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "I and failed." Yes, yeah. And to add insult to injury, this boy's pediatrician was a woman. Huh? So she's so like, "What is, it? is happening?" So because he's getting it uh, those, everywhere else in that
2: book that it's, Marlo Thomas it's picked right. up. Right.
0: Yeah, but it's everywhere. Isn't that interesting
2: though because he's getting at the the opposite in really important places, but he's still not right. seeing that. That's still right. not that. He's and not her daughter that.
0: too did not like the line where she says "mommies are women, women with children" because she wanted it to say "ladies" because that was nicer. And Carol Hall says this is how she became radicalized because, just like you said. She was doing these important things in the home. She was a single mother working outside of the home to provide for her children who had a female pediatrician, and still they had these attitudes. These messages were taking hold despite what she was teaching in her home, and she said she became a woman on a mission after that point.
1: I don't blame her. That is Uh amazing that they could have those real-life examples right in front of them, but it's society Mm -hmm. and... You know, probably what they see on TV and read in books, like that book you said, and and schools that were just um, telling them the opposite, and that's what they were
0: absorbing. So, she also, Carol Hall, this is kind of sweet actually, she said she made this a very simple melody. It's a lovely song, but if you listen to it, the melody is super simple. And she did this because Marlo Thomas was not a singer. And she was super concerned, Marlo Thomas was, about this. And she worked really hard with a vocal coach to be ready to do this album. And if you think about it, her voice is the one that we think about on this album. She's on almost all of the tracks. Yes. And she's not... A singer. For her to take that on, how ballsy guys, is that? Yeah.
1: I just, after our listening and watching again, I was dumbfounded by how talented Marlo Thomas is. I mean, there's the singing and, part. Yeah. But the voices, when you go back and listen to some of the um, spoken word parts, and you're like, she did all of the voices, but yet there are four different characters yeah. or something in the part, and they're all read by Marlo Thomas, like ladies first. And it's
2: isn't just,
0: that voice just imprinted on oh, your soul? Yes. God, yes. Whether it's the singing or the stories, okay. that voice that she was so concerned about is literally imprinted mm-hmm. on my heart. So 87 Ragged Tiger, our friend Shane, known as 87 Ragged Tiger, on um, on Instagram said this. And I think a lot of you would say the same thing. He said, I still say, ladies first, ladies first, just like <laughs> Marlo Thomas did. And what do you mean there are not enough mangoes to go around? <laughs> You can just hear her voice, you can right? Hear her, yes. So the story is that of course this little girl says ladies first and she ends up getting eaten by the tiger's first because she insists on ladies first. Ladies <laughs> first.
1: Well, a couple things. One, currently now realizing Marlo Thomas was all the voices. She was even the tiger voices. That yeah. is. I'm sorry, I'm mean, again. She is just a talented woman. Agreed. And I love those little um Kind of messages at the end. Yeah, the subversive messages like, oh, she got what she deserved. You don't have Mm -hmm. to show us the tigers eating, you know, eating or whatever, but we know what happens Mm -hmm. to her. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's just, I love those. I feel like Mm -hmm. smart when I figure them out. I
0: don't know. (laughs) When you're 56. Uh, <laughs> I think I figured it out now. <laughs> That
1: That was, was kind of fun. Oh,
0: that's good. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next one on the album is called Dudley Pippin and the Principal, and it comes from a picture book written in 1965. So Dudley Pippin is about a boy who's reprimanded by his teacher, and he begins to cry, and he's very ashamed. But the principal says, well done. You did that very well. But only sissies cry. A sissy is somebody who doesn't cry because he's afraid people will call him a sissy if he
1: does cry.
0: And then he inexplicably pulls out a flute. I don't exactly <laughs> know why this part of the story goes this way. He it's pulls the out the early a flute. 70s. Let's just say it leave was it at so that. psychedelic, <laughs> yeah. It's so psychedelic, and he starts playing his flute music. But it totally works. It's very mesmerizing. And then it smoothly and quite appropriately leads into the next song, which is... It's all right to cry Crying gets the sad out of you It's It's all all right right
1: to cry cry. Oh, you guys, it's all right to cry. And lots of feelings about this song. So Mm -hmm. I think I've shared before that... I felt, since my dad didn't have any sons, that I kind of needed to know about sports, and I just always acted interested, and I think I was. But I knew who Rosie Greer was ahead of time. So it was exciting to me that this thing that that I knew from my dad was on this record and on this TV show, and that we listened to it together, and we watched it together, and we had the conversation that it's all right to cry. And I will say to this day that... My dad was very um he was a very emotional man and he he did cry but mm-hmm. I think that some of the things he struggled with in life were were that he was told he shouldn't cry like from his mother oh, yeah. and all of yeah, that so of when we s- now as an adult and I think sitting and listening listening to that song together was again being he was being soothed that child in him was Whoa. being soothed by this NFL football player. and Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And as an adult now, I think, God, that was really, he needed that. He needed that probably more yeah. than I did because I saw him cry. And I mean, it was still, I guess I noticed it when dad cried, but I, I just, I don't know. It impacts me in even a different way now. I, it was then that it was this cool thing because we knew this, I knew who this football player was and we could bond over that. But now I think it just, it really touched him. So, I love that That's song. That's
0: amazing, well, and, Carolyn. And let's not forget
2: that I mean these are adults that these are adults that are coming up with these songs and these ideas mm-hmm. because um, in one of the early ga- gatherings in Marlo Thomas's New York apartment, and you guys can you just imagine being a fly on the wall? And one oh of those early <sighs> gatherings, I know. right? Um, Herb Gardner said, "I'd like to have heard that it wasn't a sissy thing for a boy to show his feelings." So as a grown man, sort of like your dad, mm-hmm. he's saying. He's saying this is what I wish I would have had. And then they create yeah. this song that's comforting the little boy inside of him that always felt bad for crying. Um, and so I have to clarify that you man. said
0: Herb oh. Gardner, not Her gardener. Because <laughs> I was like, Herb oh, yeah. Gardner was at the meeting? <laughs> Herb Gardner. Herb Gardner, which was mm-hmm. actually her boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. But isn't that interesting that he literally said those words out loud, and then they're like, okay, so we need a song about crying. Mm-hmm. Who should we get it? How about an NFL football player to do mm-hmm. it? And then did you hear this, Carolyn? brilliant. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I know. About the origins of those lyrics? I don't know that I did. Okay, so the song is written by Carol Hall again, who's... Children had the female pediatrician and thought that women couldn't be doctors. So she went to her kids' class and she asked them about crying. What? Tell me about crying. Tell me about your feelings. And they um, your and they literally said, crying gets the sad out of you. And they said it's like raindrops from your eyes. And those become the mm-hmm. lyrics of the song. And those are, again, our lyrics that get imprinted upon us. Crying gets sad the sad out, out of you. Of you. Oh, right? We know it. From
2: your eyes. It's gonna make you feel better.
0: I just have to get this out of my system. Sad and grumpy, down in the dumpy. I say that all the time. When Liam is looking back, I'm like, oh, sad and grumpy, down in the dumpy. <laughs> And then how many people don't say, when I asked Mike about Free to Be You and Me, the first thing he says is, it might make you feel better. (laughs) (laughs) And we say it all the time. It might make you feel better. So originally, he was supposed to um, speak the words, Rosie Greer was, and he insisted on singing it. And they're like, oh God, (laughs) can this guy sing? And he Again, indelible. Yes. His Mm -hmm. voice is absolutely indelible. And then he improvised at the very end of the song. Um, You might remember the song is over. Oh, God, I'm going to cry again, too. And I don't mean to make fun of his voice. It's just that this is how he says it. He says, It's all right to cry, little boy. I know some big boys who cry, too.
2: It's all right to cry, little boy.
1: I know some big boys that cry, too.
0: and that's just improvised. And he's and they said Marlo Thomas like jumped up and threw her arms around him when he said that because he so got it. He knew why they were there. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's really interesting. We've been talking about how there's all these adults that are coming up with all these yeah. um, songs and concepts and things to teach. But you said that they you know went to the to the school and they're talking to children and. They're getting, they're almost using children as their little focus groups. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the song Sisters and Brothers, which is the next song on the album, you see in the TV special, this really lovely gathering of all these little children. And when I saw that, when I was rewatching it recently, that something pinged inside my head too, where I was oh. like, oh, I remember this. Mm-hmm. And it's so cute. And there's Marlo Thomas looking just ridiculously beautiful um, yes. with the long, you know, the long straight mm-hmm. this is early 70s right so long straight dark hair parted in the middle and the giant eyelashes and um, that's how I wish I could have looked in our um, like Minnetonka magazine. Um, I want to look shoot. like that every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's to look talking like that to the <laughs> children tell me about your sisters and brothers and all these cute mm-hmm. little early seventies kids are being very, very honest with her. Mm-hmm. And the way she responds to them is just lovely. Um, and everything they say is fine. Like one of them's mm-hmm. like, I don't like, you know, she's like, I wish I didn't have a brother. And she's like, you do like, Oh, like what, you know? And well, cause he, you, he, you know, what's me. And she's like, yeah, what? He, and he raises his fist. <laughs> <Yes>. It's me. <laughs> and, and, but she's just so accepting and she just, she just reflects their feelings so well. And, um, she would have been an excellent child therapist, she would have been an excellent teacher she and would. actually she sort of became yeah. that. Really, without all the, you know, maybe the titles, that's yeah. actually what she's become and she's such an advocate for children. So, um, mm-hmm. I just love that they spent time talking to children
0: about this yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. And then that leads right in the in the video it leads right that segment leads right into the song sisters and brothers, which is this huge celebration of dancers in the park, which is how I want to live my life every day.
1: Sisters
2: and brothers, brothers and sisters, ain't we every one? Brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers, every father's daughter, every
1: mother's
2: son. Yeah, can we learn that choreo on those pillars? Yes,
0: please, please. on the pillars. All we have to do is please. just do this. You yeah, guys, if
2: you're if you're on Patreon, if you if we put this on, you can see it Yeah, but they're doing can, it. I'm And then not a the little dance they do, they yeah. step, step. They kind of march and then they turn, sisters and brothers. And they turn the other way and then they turn around it's sort and of they like don't in,
0: fall off. They don't <laughs> fall off the pillars. Yeah. And it's sort of like in our solid gold episode, we like that Solid Gold epitomizes what dancing looked like in the 80s. Mm-hmm. This epitomizes totally, what yeah. dancing it looked does. like in the 70s. It does. So, Sisters and Brothers is um they switched it. It's the the normal gospel greeting, because this is a gospel inspired song, is brothers and sisters, and they turned it around to be sisters and brothers. Because why does the boy always come first? Wow. And this is something that I am a stickler on. Mm-hmm. Whenever Mike and I are signing things, like we're buying a new car, we're signing a mortgage. I'm like, no, I sign my name first. And he's like, why? It doesn't matter. I'm like, trust me, it matters. But if you look closely at at this part of Sisters and Brothers and those beautiful dancers and the people who I want to dance with in the park, well, you don't even have to look closely. It's very clear. There's a girl in the front who has long black braids and very blunt bangs, and you will recognize her from Electric Company. That is June Angela from the Short Circus, my favorite dancer and singer in the Electric Company. And she's front and center in this video. I love it. And then we have William's Doll, performed by Alan Alda and Marlo Thomas. This comes from a picture book by Charlotte Zolotow. And I think a lot of people have a lot of very strong feelings about William's doll. The grandma is the hero of the story here, which makes a lot of sense because grandmas are very wise and they see things quite plainly. And she says, well, of course, William should have a doll because, duh, he might have a baby someday. And I remember as a kid feeling so indignant. Like, parents are so dumb. (laughs) Like, this is not a radical idea. It's just simple logic, and these idiots couldn't get it. And I just felt so grateful for that, Grandma. The record um, includes a book of lyrics, and just reading the lyrics to this song, I got all choked up. It's when she says, And Bill said, Baseball's my favorite game. I like to play, but, but all, all the same. same, I'd give my bat and ball and glove to have a doll that I could love. And Marlo okay. Thomas, for not being a singer, it's this singing is almost plaintive. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a plea. She's really giving a plea. Like, I love baseball, but I would give my bat and ball and glove to have a doll that I could love. And it just makes me all choked up. So there was some criticism about free to be you and me in general being too heteronormative as if William's doll was a cop out because the reason he, um, it's okay to have a doll is because he'll be a father someday and not that he might be gay or, you know, anything else on, on, you know, the continuum between these two things. Can I ask your
2: question about that? Yeah. Is that a criticism from back in the seventies or is that a criticism today?
0: It is from back in the seventies. Yeah. I don't know how close. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah to the release to it was. I agree. Because it's, it's almost like they
2: couldn't, in some situations, they couldn't win. It's almost. It almost uh, seems totally. Like early,
0: and know. imagine if it was because Bill was gay. Imagine if that was the case. That record would have been banned. Absolutely. Well, because it, it, it is interesting banned. that
2: there's not any song about children being gay.
0: No, there isn't. Mm-mm. There well, isn't. She, and, and she's uh, so, mentioned I'm that sorry, she's received
1: a lot of letters and stuff from gay men that this was it touched them like they
0: that's yes. how they
1: heard it as a child was that it was yes okay. this was
0: the this was the first time they got any signal that it was going to be okay, that they were okay the way that they were despite the fact that it was because he was going to be a father someday. But also
2: also can I just say something? Um and I think this goes without saying I just have to say it. That just because like a little boy wants a doll, like it doesn't mean that they're going to be gay when they grow Very up. Very good Like, point. like that yes. should be the message too, that you don't have to have a doll just because you're going to be a father someday. You don't have to love a doll because you already know that you're gay. You could just you don't have to know anything except that you want a doll. Right? Like and that's it. That,
0: that's all that matters. That's and, all that it matters, right? And it actually the message could have backfired if it had been that William was gay because then people would have linked those two things yes. together right. and thought, "Yes, indeed, when you well, want a doll, it angry. does mean yeah. that you're gay." That yeah.
2: makes me angry, yeah. And
1: if you're if you're gay, you can be a dad too. I mean, I feel like this yes. message yeah. was
2: also like it's saying, all whatever, yeah. 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 You know, there's a fact, something about this, um, I was just going to say, because it was such, this, there, people criticized it so much, I learned that this song alone caused a toothpaste company to refuse to sponsor the TV show, which obviously it wasn't Crest, because right. we've seen the Crest commercials, oh, so I wonder if there was one. someone else before. Yeah.
0: And I bet Crest came in and was like, and we're going to put all men in yeah, our commercials, maybe. putting their children to bed. Yeah, maybe. I bet they did. So this, uh, so this was a very meaningful story for a lot of people. And when I look back at it, I wonder if part of my strong reaction to it was not just about this little boy, but about the fact that I didn't want a doll. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And literally, I'm just putting this together as I'm listening to it this week. As I'm prepping for this episode, I'm like, is that why this is so meaningful to me? Because if William wants a doll, it might also be okay for me not to want a doll. Right. Wow, I know. Except Baby Alive because she does stuff, (laughs) and that's cool. I liked Baby Alive because she does stuff. But otherwise, no. I, I didn't. I didn't want. I didn't want a doll, and I. And that was very awkward in some circumstances. Me not wanting a doll, unless it had some mechanics inside. And it's not like I'm mechanical or science-y. I just thought it was cool.
1: Right, yeah. and imagine just being the mildew given these things as yeah. gifts, like from your grandmother or from your parents. And, you know, do you, do you announce that you don't want it? Well, probably not. You've been taught manners. Do you think something's wrong with you? Like, everybody thinks this is something that I want and should have. And that has to be hard. So I'm sorry, little Kristen. And are
0: you thank you because that is an issue because then are you are you disappointing someone well, yes. when you don't want that yeah. doll or
1: mm-hmm. me like why don't i want it like why does everyone think i want it and right? i don't is there something
0: that i'm doing wrong it's very complicated yes. and you and it all becomes internalized mm-hmm. it's all it all turns back on yourself and and i think i was um, pretending like oh thank you and I'm gonna go play with my dolly now but it was all very loaded it was very loaded and I felt icky yeah that's sad Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm it's hard to be a kid Um, Okay, next on the album is Atalanta, which is performed by Alan Alda and Marlo Thomas. And this is a big favorite of people's, too. Alan Alda actually directed all the performances on the album, and he wanted to use sound effects and really make things come alive as if it was a radio show. And you hear this especially well on Atalanta. You hear it in all the poems, too. If they talk about pots and pans, you hear pots and pans. And so Atalanta is one of the best examples of this. I think this is the pinnacle of the entire project right here. This is Marlo Thomas's story. She doesn't want to get married. And she also very pointedly made sure that Atalanta had dark hair. Well,
2: it's because she, she, this goes back to her bedtime story for Dion. I mean, mm -hmm. she wanted at least one story on the album about a princess who wasn't blonde Mm -hmm. and who didn't have to get married at the end. And so it was Betty Miles who updated the ancient myth of Atalanta, but she made her brunette because in the ancient myth, she's blonde. So she switched her hair to brunette and she gets to decide for herself if she's going to marry mm-hmm. the prince.
0: And the story, I think the most impactful part of the story is this race at the end in which you know the winner is supposed to be Uh, The the husband for Atalanta and Atalanta swings a deal with her dad. Well, what if I run the race, too? And if I win, then I get to choose or I don't have to choose. Uh But then we have young John from the town and he's interested in being in this race, but he doesn't want to marry Atalanta until she unless she wants to. And what he really wants to do is talk with her. And I think what she's doing here is really showing us what we should be looking for in a potential partner. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Young John is who we want.
1: Right. But you know what struck right. me? I just really was kind of sad about her dad. Like, I was thinking, do you love your dad, Atalanta? Like, he's I know. putting you in. I just, and even rewatching it, I kind of remembered thinking that, like, is her dad bad? And is she going to, like, ever oh, come God. back and visit him? Because even when they tied, she, he, she mm-hmm. said, like, or he said, you know, basically, you didn't win. Like, since you tied, John gets to decide. And I
2: thought, yeah, you you didn't listen to your daughter. You're mean. I don't like that. Oh yeah, he's not. I don't. That's so interesting. Because you look, you just, think, you
0: look very down in the dumpy right yeah, now. Yeah, I,
2: mm-hmm. I mean, at Sad, that age, so I just couldn't
1: imagine like not loving your dad or your dad being mean and doing something mm-hmm. that you specifically said please don't do that. I don't want to marry someone and yeah. like not listening. And this a man, your dad doesn't care and is
0: going to do this thing that will make you sad. I don't know. It was hard for me. That is a really interesting um, take on this story. I wonder how many other people had the same kind of feelings. Cause I think most of the people were focused on Atlanta and whether or not she was getting married and here poor Carolyn is like, but your dad is mean. Yeah. And, like, are you going to go? I think, sadly, that's Carolyn, heavy.
2: many people, probably a lot of people listening to were like, yeah, that's my dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. You were yeah. just lucky to have a nice supportive dad. I was, dad. and yeah. at that point you think mm-hmm. everybody does, you know, when you're that age. Yeah.
0: So that's true. So in during the race is really where you can hear Alan Alda's directing. This is where it really shines because Atalanta and Young John are neck and neck. And so when they're speaking the lines from the story, they're speaking them in unison. The two of them, they're reading the story together. And they have, you can hear the footfalls. And Marlo Thomas says she remembers running in place so that when she read, she would sound like she was breathless. And the effect is just really intense, I think. John didn't give up. Nothing at all thought he would keep me from my hope of winning the
2: chance to speak with Atalanta. And on he ran, swift as the wind, until, until he ran as her equal, side, side by side with her, For the golden ribbon, ribbon that, marked that marked the race's end.
0: end. Atalanta was aware of him, and she raced even faster to pull ahead. But young John was a strong match for her. Smiling with, with the pleasure of the, of the race, race Atalanta, Atalanta and young John, John reached the finish line, line together, together, and, and together to they broke through, through the, the golden ribbon, ribbon that marked and it. And of course, the, the race is a tie. They crossed the finish line together. And the message of equality in that reading, it rings clear i don't know that i understood that when i was listening to it when i was a kid but when i listen to it now and they're speaking together and they finish together equality equals equality that's Mm -hmm. what we're looking for in this record
2: and he gives her a handshake yes he does and they go off to explore their worlds on their own before they're because john maybe they'll get together it says maybe they'll meet up again do you you think she goes back and visits her
0: dad at all yeah, no. I do. I think she visits her okay. dad. No. Does she get married to young John? I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, the okay. truth is, yes, that. she's going to come back and marry young John because no other man in the village is going to be that cool. <laughs> right? If you think yeah, about it. How she might not get you know, married at all. Or she might not get married at all. Right. That is and true. And maybe
2: she'll marry a woman. We don't know.
0: That, that's <laughs> true. We don't even have any idea if she swings that way. So that's right. right. Who knows? And we also know that Marlo Thomas famously resisted, well, she resisted getting married to Donald Hollinger in That Girl, and then she famously resisted getting married to Phil Donahue, even. They did eventually get married, didn't they? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Really? yes. yeah. They've been married since yeah. 1980, I think. They've been okay. married
1: a very long well, time. Isn't he dead? No. <laughs> no. Oh, he's no. not dead? No. No. No, oh, not dead. dead. And what's not very dead. interesting, if you, if you watch her, that he just died. Stars in the House episode... He must not be aware that she's on this Zoom call, and you can see oh her like looking up, oh like god. over Please here. Please, he's, like in his tidy whitey, walking back. Pretty much. So, oh god, not actually White tidy Fox. whiteys, but you see her like looking up at someone you don't know. I'm assuming. Oh, I bet that's Phil Donahue. Is he gonna pop in and go, "Hi, guys"? No, he doesn't. He walks behind at some point, like in his undershirt, and I think I don't think that his hand was like, <laughs> but he was just like right, all disheveled. Oh. <laughs> Island,
0: beautiful girl and boy land. Okay, Girl Land, performed by Jack Cassidy and Shirley Jones. This is written by Mary Rogers and Bruce Hart. Do you guys remember in our very first episode, episode number one of the Pop Culture Preservation Society, and we're playing a game called Name That Cassidy? And the point mm-hmm. of the game is that I would name a title of a song, mm-hmm. and then you would tell me which Cassidy mm-hmm. sang the song. And I gave the title mm-hmm. Girl Land. Mm-hmm. And do you guys remember what she said, said? We said it's Toyland. It's
2: Toyland. You did. You mm-hmm. insisted
0: it was Toyland. It's the same Toyland.
2: Tune. We weren't thinking of this right. record, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. And I'm like, no, no, you guys, it's Jack Cassidy, it's Shirley Jones, it's not for you. It's Girlland. Like, no, no, it's Toyland. And so it eventually got cut from the episode because we couldn't agree. Let's just confirm that yeah, is right. Girlland, yes, by Jack Cassidy, and Shirley Jones, and this is nobody's favorite song. It is scary and creepy. And it's very ominous and nobody likes it. And I think that there is um, there's something to be said for the value of the song, but it's scary sort of in the same way that clowns are scary. Jack Cassidy comes in, he's like a carnival barker, and he tells us what Girlland was like. Wonderful
1: girlland, the island of joys,
0: where good little girls pick up after the boys.
1: So come on in. Look about in a girl and you'll never
0: get out it's very frightening but then if you listen if you tune into shirley jones at the end they talk about how girl land has turned into a park and it's a park where you can you be who you you can be who you are and you can do what you want and so really the point is right there but i don't think i ever got to the point because i was afraid of the scary carnival barker
1: well and I, I just want to backtrack a little to Toyland, so that's a, a different song, but it is how this song starts. Mm-hmm. It is with Yeah, my, it samples right, it essentially it sample is what it. it's doing. And yes. Yes. I've it always does, felt right. that way about the Toyland song. So I'm oh, guessing, I probably picked up the needle on my album, because I don't have any recollection of this song at all. And when I've been listening to it, I thought, I got creeped out just from those first lines. I've never liked Toyland. I'm sure I just skipped the whole entire song. I'm, I'm not yeah. going to listen to this. And I never yeah. did. So it it sounds yucky to me. From even when Toyland is played,
0: I'm actually kind of I'm surprised that it made it on the album because it's so ominous. Mm -hmm. Because it's so ominous, I don't get it. Um, Okay, and the very last song on the album is "Glad to Have a Friend Like You." Thomas, and again, written by Carol Hall, whose kids have the female pediatrician. <laughs> and the reason that we have this song is because one of the goals of. I know, I'm sorry, I just can't see that. It doesn't make any as sense. As a trivia
1: quiz at some point. Like,
0: yeah. what?
1: <laughs> Writers, <laughs> children had a female
0: pediatrician. Yeah, Carol Hall's. Okay. So the point of this song is. Um, that one of the, it's one of the goals of the project is that boys and girls can play together. They should play together. And if we can play together without preconceived notions, sexism will fall away. Stop categorizing us and let us gravitate toward things naturally, as opposed to the girls play with the girls, the boys play with the boys, the girls play these things, boys play these things. And it reminded me of my story about Miss Keatley, my gym teacher in elementary school, from our um, episode about gym stories, about gym horror stories, because Miss Keatley would take us, we would come to her class in our girl lines and our boy lines. And as soon as we got to Miss Keatley, remember, I didn't know if Mm Miss Keatley was a boy or girl. um, And she would put us in people lines. And... Now I realize what she was doing is she was trying to mix us up so that we can be who we want to be. We don't have to categorize ourselves and do separate activities. And I always wondered if Miss Swartz, who had put us in our girl lines and our boy lines, was irritated when she came to pick us up at Miss Keatley's class and we were all (laughs) mixed up in people lines. She never put us back in girl lines and boy lines. We walked back to our classroom in our people lines. But now I realize what Miss Keatley was doing. Mm
1: -hmm. I bet she loved this album.
0: I bet she did. I bet she did. Okay, so the, the effect of free to be you and me. There was a backlash from conservative religious leaders, especially James Dobson. I bet a lot of your parents had James Dobson books on your shelf because he wrote a lot of parenting books. And there was even a very famous New York Post article um, that Michelle's going to tell us about right now that actually this is not from a long time ago, if I'm correct. No, and I feel like
2: <clears throat> we seem to have two camps here. So I'm going to just summarize... A debate that was still going on on Free to Be's 40th anniversary. You guys, this is a debate that was still going on just 10 years ago. Um, from a March 8, 2014, New York Post article um, was co- uh, by Kyle Smith. It was called "How Free to Be You and Me Emasculate Emasculated Men." So basically, the end. Like yeah. <laughs> we know, we know right away right. what Kyle Smith's. Um, Point, you know, what his stance is. Um, he calls Free to Be a piece of Ms. Foundation produced feminist propaganda disguised as entertainment for children. And he goes on to say about the TV special, and I just have to read this because it's so offensive that I don't even want to paraphrase. Oh, wow. Um, the show, this is what he says, the show, which is of course unwatchable today, except perhaps in states with generous attitudes toward self medication, such as Colorado <laughs> and Washington was an hour-long special that meant to tell little girls they could be anything they wanted, and little boys they could be anything they wanted to, provide that what they wanted to be was girls. Ouch! And wrong, right? Really? Yes. This is what he. This is what he got out of this. Um, he also says the program's most searing and indelible moment was the horrifying sight of Rosie Greer, a huge man once known as one of the most ferocious players in the NFL, strumming a guitar. Listen to what he says. Smiling like a brain donor, oh my God! And singing, "It's all right to cry." He then blasts Dudley and the principal, alluding to some sketchy wrongdoings after they go off into the forest. Nice job, buddy. Yeah. Uh, After dissecting Atalanta and somehow deciding it emasculates men and renders them genderless, he says, I just, I can't even. He says, no wonder that the girls of the free-to-be generation would grow up to buy millions of copies of Fifty Shades of Grey. So... 40 (laughs) years of gender re-education later, the only place they could find masculine men anymore was fiction. Okay, as if Fifty Shades of Grey means, like as if BDSM means like a man is masculine, as if the men portrayed in Fifty Shades of Grey, as if this type of, oh, my God, I can't even. Um, It's so
0: uninformed. You can't even even form a response to it because it lacks so much um, knowledge about who we are, about who other people are in general.
2: Well, and let's not forget, this is only 10 years ago, and guaranteed wow. this, this, this camp is still a oh. thought, is still very, yeah. very... Trust me, know, I um, went down
1: my rabbit hole to look up Mr. Kyle Smith and see what his yeah. latest
2: tweets were. and Oh, I can only imagine. So Emily Shire immediately slaps back at Kyle Smith in her Daily Beast article, cleverly titled free to be did not emasculate men. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It was what literally like <laughs> 3 days later she writes an article and she Good. just calls it free to be did Good. not emasculate men. Mm-hmm. And she says she was shocked to be having to defend this 40 years later, which is what yeah, I that said. Hurts. this is ridiculous. So she called his analysis convoluted sexist and borderline homophobic and went on to defend Rosie Greer's performance pretty much as we or anyone would do with a working brain, I would like to think.
0: And all of the people who love it. Yes. Have you ever heard anyone who doesn't like that performance? I've never once in my entire life went, oh, God, I hate It's All Right to Cry. No, but also to, also, let's go back to Kyle Smith. Like, let's just hit below the belt and be like,
2: what, like a brain donor? Like, what? So she says, um, well, she defended it as nothing but a wonderful thing for a boy to see a big man, a hero. A hero Mm -hmm. telling him it's all right to cry. That's so impactful. How is that anything but impactful? Anyway. Right. um, And I don't need to go into all of Emily Shire's um, individual slapbacks, although I do like how she says that him saying it's understandable that those of us in the free-to-be generation buying millions of copies of Fifty Shades is a completely heteronormative presumption that masculinity is a quality only exuded by (gasps) men who have sex with women.
0: (laughs) Um,
2: And then what I think she says that is most impactful about these issues and these ongoing issues and this ongoing debate is this. She says, you see, the larger message of free to be is not actually about redefining masculinity or femininity, but rather learning to be comfortable with who you are and no conforming to some outside expectation, that someone could write something so simplistic and chauvinistic about gender roles reveals why free to be is still relevant and needed 40 Absolutely. years later. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, that's why it sold over 10 million copies. Right. That's exactly right because we still have people who need to hear the message. It's not about it, it's not saying to girls you should want to work and you should want to be doctors no it's you should do exactly what you want to do you You, have the freedom to do that
2: yes you should grow up to be whoever it is you want to be and can I just read you something that Gloria Steinem wrote in this book um when we were free to be looking back at a children's classic and the difference it made so Gloria Steinem wrote um an essay in here and she says and this is just from what was this just 10 years ago as well I believe She says, now the question is, when so much has changed, when an African-American president has brought his two young daughters to live in the White House, female athletes are running faster than Atalanta, and homophobia is giving way to equality in marriage and the military, why is free to be still beloved and almost as popular as ever? I think all we have to do is look around. Way too many little girls are encouraged to be silly, seek approval only from boys, and be mean to other girls. They are also sexualized younger than ever by media, ads, and popular culture. Boys are exposed to cruel and, dehumanize- and dehumanizing war games, not just in movies and TV, but now also on smartphones and home computers where they enter into the conflict. It's not surprising that bullying has become a major Danger. People of color will soon become the majority in this country for the first time, but instead of celebrating the fact that we now look more like the world, some white Americans are so dependent on old hierarchies that they are rebelling against government and saying no to democracy itself. So yes, there has been a lot of progress, but there has also been a backlash against it. Nowhere is it written that progress will win. It depends on what you and I do every day. I suggest you read Free to Be You and Me again.
0: Clapping for Gloria. I mean, seriously, I I feel like we should just end the episode right there. Well, and
2: because we can talk about this, like, do we think this worked for us, right? We can say, Mm -hmm. do we think by listening to this and being exposed to this as children in the 70s, this changed our paths? And um, I would say yes and no. A lot of the same things that were still working against us in the 70s are sadly still working against boys and girls today. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that I could say definitively yes it did. I feel like for us, I think it's an individual thing. I think that we can all say, um, yeah, yeah, that, you know, I'm a little boy and I, it made me know that it's all right to cry or, oh, I, you know, I'm a little girl and I learned from Atlanta that um, I can make my own decisions and I can be strong and independent and not have to get married or anything. But I think that the children today still need it.
0: So oh, I don't absolutely. think we can say
2: that it worked and now we, and it worked and it changed everything. And now we can put it away. I think the message is that we still need it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think when when people get very upset and say that it didn't work, because I do hear that from people. I can't believe we're still talking about this. How we, It didn't work at all. But just the fact that you're ranting about the fact that it didn't work shows where your values are. And how is it that that message didn't seep inside your brain? Mm-hmm because you're upset by the things that haven't changed that means it did work on you but like you said we're talking about a larger society here but even in terms of society even those even though those things do still exist in a in a scary degree in a way where we still have to remain vigilant i just look at the kids that that exist in my neighborhood and my kids friends and they're is not a single person that doesn't have some sort of free to be you and me aspect about them. I do believe that the generation now that are in their 20s,
2: um, and maybe even the, maybe even in, like younger than that. I mean, I just think it's getting better and better, and that kids are yeah. feeling like they can be free to be who they are, and almost regardless of what their parents think.
0: Oh, absolutely, regardless of what their parents think. So I think to sum up this conversation, I'm going to read you the back page of the lyric booklet, which was included in the record. Um, So if you turn the booklet over, there's a note from a woman named Dr. Dorothy Cohen, who is the author of a book called The Learning Child, published in 1972, and she says the many gifted participants in this work have poked fun with undisguised pleasure at the attitudes that have been taken seriously for centuries. By raising doubts about traditional restrictive models for men and women alike, the record opens up for children the happy vista that all individuals, male or female, are people above all. And in 2021, the album was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress and selected for preservation in the National Recording Registry. Thank you so much for listening today
2: thanks so much to everyone for listening and supporting us by sharing our podcast with others and by rating, reviewing, and following us wherever you listen. That's apparently very important in the podcasting world, and it's the only way we will keep getting heard and for Amy Poehler and Tina Fey to hear us as well. And a special, special thank you to our supporters on Patreon for quite literally helping this podcast keep on trucking. Today, we are giving a special shout-out to patrons Lisa, Natalie, Nina, Lorna, and J.S. Frisch. Frisch. That was my mother-in-law's maiden name. I wonder if J.S. is related. Um, Thank you all so, so much, and we hope you're enjoying all the fun content, the exclusive content, over on our Patreon page. If you want to check it out, just go to patreon.com and type our name, Pop Culture Preservation Society, in the search bubble. And if you're not able to join us on Patreon at this time, don't worry. We appreciate your listening ears and your support and your just sharing
0: our podcast every single day. Thank you. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the cast of Threes Company. Two good times,
1: two happy days
0: Hit, we'll keep moving
1: on.